Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. At this point, we feel like we're part of the Frumily. It's episode 470 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham, and yeah, I'm back talking about Frum. Again this week, why wouldn't I? There's so many great characters to talk about. You love Kenny. I love Kenny. So I had to get Ricky He on the show this week to talk about everything that he's been through up to this point, everything that's going on with Boyd. Yeah, I'll ask him about that. I'll ask him about what's coming. I'll even ask him about Christy. Who knows what we're going to be talking about here in just a a few short minutes because there's a lot to discuss. You know that if you're watching from on MGM+. Plus. There's some reviews that have kind of let get on the back burner. I want to play a little bit of catch-up with that. We've had so many great guests over the week, so it's review catch-up week. Going to be talking about Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves because that is now on Paramount+. Plus. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about some Warner Brothers animated movies that have come out. I want to talk about White Man Can't Jump from Hulu. I want to review that. Maybe some other stuff as well. There's a lot of trailers to talk about. And nerd news this week, maybe some serious stuff too. Well, we'll, we'll kind of mix it up and see what happens. But there's so much going on. Let's get things started. Ricky He joins me to talk about From and Kenny next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Christine Adams from Black Lightning, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'll be honest, Frumily, this is an interview I was waiting for when I saw it on my schedule. Ricky He is joining me. He plays Kenny on the show. Kenny's been through a lot. You've you saw Kenny's big confrontation with Boyd, and, and you know where are things going to go going forward. I had to get Ricky on to ask him about that, so let's go, man. Ricky, you've just had an amazing season on from this this season. I feel like Kenny's been such a huge part of it, but man, we got to talk about it. We got to talk about the scene. Kenny yeah. finds out the truth about Sarah and <sighs> confronts Boyd. Talk about man, just the emotion of filming right. that scene and the effect it's going to have on him going forward, man. It's a big one. It's a doozy. And I think that the first time I read it, I, I, you know, was like sobbing, weeping my eyes out. This is, this is crazy. It's heartbreaking. It's, it's an intense and, and, and powerful betrayal because Boyd is not only a leader and a role model for Kenny, but a father figure. And, and, and to lose two father figures in such a short amount of time, one to, to death and then one because of betrayal surrounding that that the, the the death of his actual biological father i think yeah it was it was it's heartbreaking that kind of leads us into what fans are already starting to think is that okay there's got to be a confrontation with sarah at some point we're not going to give away any spoilers not going to say if it's happening or not happening but if it did right. how ugly is that going to get man all i can say is in some of the earlier drafts and even in some of the versions that we had shot I thought this was going to be Kenny's origin, like villain origin story. Yeah, I thought I'm like, oh, there's the bad guy in town. (laughs) But there, something's coming. Something's coming. He's just just such a solid dude, though. That's why that's when I when I think about it, I'm like, I don't see it from him. Like, obviously, you know, people get mad, people get upset, but he's just such a solid and, and cool dude. I just don't see the the rage factor from him. You know what I mean? Right. And so I think that like the rage will come, but like you said, he is such a complex and layered person and a, and a good guy. Like he's, I think he's, I think he's got good values that I think that maybe it's not his villain origin story, but maybe that's actually what makes his character more interesting. 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 So obviously Kenny has a, still has his mom 
And he's going to be yeah. very protective of her for obvious reasons going forward. But I feel like he needs someone to lean on through all this turmoil. Do you think he's going to find that someone or at least just find a way to go forward? I think that at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's his mom, right? I mean, if, if, if tension were out of the equation, maybe he would have fallen off the deep end, but I think that's the, that's the main thing driving him. He still has a responsibility to his family, though his family is just his mom at this point. Like he has a responsibility to his family and, and through her a responsibility to himself. It does in a lot of moments throughout the season and in general, for a lot of the characters on the show feel like if it's like, it's like the town is like the dark side and he's like, you know, it's like, do it. And it's like, <laughs> like <laughs> and he's just kind of like, no, you know, so it's him fighting that internal, like evil, that internal, like malice, like, how do I become the, the bigger person? And how do I try to, to put my best foot forwards? There's a lot of internal and external evil on this show that there's, oh, yeah. there's no question about that. Now, yeah. there's been so much going on. There's so much turmoil. We haven't really gotten an update on Kenny and Christy recently. I know, you know, her, her fiance comes back that right. may have put an end to it, but is the door completely closed there? You think? So speaking as a fan and as a viewer, like externally, I don't think so. I hope not. I don't know. But as Kenny, I was saying this to, to, to some, to some friends, like, you know, there is a little bit of the moment that Marielle stepped off the bus it became abundantly clear that any fantasy that Kenny had of like, oh, this person was placed here for me and I was placed in this town for her. Maybe this is why we're all stuck here. At least we met each other. We're made to, we're made for each other. We're each other's person. Any fantasy or illusion of that immediately was, you know, dissipated because this is your person. What are the odds that you and your fiance show up at the same town? Like, so to Kenny, I think it's very, it's over, unfortunately. That's kind of a bummer. But, you know, you know what happens when you don't close doors all the way in this town. So I'm just, I'm just yeah. saying that if it's not closed all the way, you just Monsters kind of <laughs> never know. Before I let you go, Ricky, it feels yeah. like more and more people in the town are seeing visions. Things are slowly starting to change. The tension's getting right. higher. Are we getting closer and closer to the breaking point more so than we ever have before in the series? I think that's honestly the theme of the show. I think, and I'm, I'm, you know, as a fan of the show, I'm excited to see what happens in season three because, yeah, every episode, every season, it seems we creep closer and closer to that breaking point. And it just makes you wonder, what is the breaking point? Well, we're getting closer and closer to it for sure. We'll have to find out what that might be when From airs every Sunday on MGM+. Plus. Things are just getting better and better. And this guy's a big part of that. Ricky, thank you so much for your time, thank man. You I really so appreciate it. Appreciate you, James. And Kenny's one of the reasons I like talking about this show as much as I possibly can and have been for the last few weeks because what Kenny has been through and the arc that we've seen him on this season and, and what I can tell you to kind of tease ahead, what you will see from him coming up this season that I've gotten to see a little bit more of, there's, some, there's so much good stuff coming from Kenny and just so much good stuff coming from the show in general. But Kenny plays such a huge part in all of that. And you just feel the emotion for this character. I mean, if you're a From fan, you loved Kenny anyway, right? If you're in Fromily, you loved Kenny. And you're there. there's so much for him coming up. I don't know if you're ready or not, honestly. But you just got to keep watching From every Sunday on MGM Plus to find out because this second season has been insane. And I can't wait to keep talking about it and bringing you more. Cause, and, and I appreciate you loving it and listening to it. Because trust me, there's more coming. That's going to do it for my interview with Ricky He Talking about From Up Next, there's a lot of reviews to get to. I'm going to play a little bit of catch up. Since it's on Paramount Plus now, I want to give my review of Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. We'll talk about that next on the Down & Nerdy Podcast. Hi, this is Chin Han from Ghost in the Shell, and you're listening to Down & Nerdy Podcast. This week, I finally decided to roll the dice on something I've actually been waiting to see for a while, and that is Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves from Paramount Pictures. And I'll be honest, this is one I fully intended on seeing in the theaters, but, you know, with three kids in the house, sometimes it's hard for me to get to the movie theater, so that one passed me by. And then I didn't see it on digital HD, and finally it just sort of popped up on Paramount+. Plus. So I thought, why not just go ahead and watch it there? I, I love Chris Pine, I love most of this cast, so I was really looking forward to this, and I heard a lot of good things about it, and I gotta say... 
the humor, I want to start with the humor because while it didn't make me necessarily laugh out loud, not all humor makes you laugh out loud, by the way. Sometimes you just, you know, you just have that smirk on your face where you just enjoy it, but you're not like belly laughing. Is I hate that term, but that's the best way I can think to describe it. You're not going to necessarily LOL with this movie, I don't think, but, but there were certainly plenty of moments that made me smile. By the way, there might be a few spoilers in this because this movie's been out for what seems like forever, and chances are you've already seen it, and I'm just going to give my opinion on it here. But I, I will say that what this movie does really well is character building and making things pay off in the end. What they did with Chris Pine's character, character of Edgen, just building on his family and what happened with his wife and his daughter and how he sort of, he, man, he got screwed over. Maybe he, he thinks he deserved it, but he definitely got screwed over. So, and seeing his redemption and the way he carries him, it's, it's classic Chris Pine role, honestly. We've seen him play characters very much like this before, and I could, you know, give a laundry list of them. But that's the reason you get Chris Pine to play this character in the first place, because he's the perfect choice. And then you pair him up with Michelle Rod- Rodriguez as Holga, who is, I don't want to say completely uh, the opposite, but they definitely balance each other out in a brother-sister kind of way, which is how they're sort of described in the movie by Edgen in the first place, and they are very much that. And you forget, you almost forget how much of a badass Michelle Rodriguez is until you watch her do her thing. Like, it's just, it's just watching her action scenes is one of the things that, that I enjoyed about this movie the most because she kicks ass in all of the right ways. She really does. And, and the fact that, you know, she, she plays this, you know, sort of a hardened character, but she has a soft spot for Kira, who is Edgen's daughter. And that is like her, the one soft spot that she has. But she also has a lo- loyalty to Edgen as well. So what they what Ed, Edgen wants to do is bring his wife back. So they have to find this relic in order to do that. There's your quest. There's your purpose. Now, certain things sort of get in the way of that because, you know, Edgen has certain feelings about the Harpers. He was a member and, 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 you know, there was a sworn to protect oath that he sort of ditched when, when what happened with his wife. And you sort of fi- get a little bit more information on that as the movie goes on. So there's things that he has to deal with, and then he teams up with with a magician, Simon, once again, who's played by Justice Smith, and they end up finding Doric as well, so played play by Sophia Lillis, and there's your party right there. And each of them has their own purpose. Each of them has their thing that they need to get over. It's it's definitely got a... I, man, I'm going to get a lot of hard, uh, hard time for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's almost like it's got a Wizard of Oz vibes to it. Like, everybody had their thing, they needed to get over, right? Oh, having a heart, you know, being a coward, things that everybody had their thing that they needed to get over. And everybody in this adventure party has their thing that they need to get over. And we see them try to conquer these things throughout the movie, whether it be together or, or separately. And then ultimately as a group, they sort of find their way. And, and this is part of all of this is also not just finding this relic, but finding Forge, who used to be, a member of their group of thievery played by Hugh Grant. And he plays just this, he plays the perfect smarmy character that you just want to punch in the face. And he really is, he embodies that role so, so well. And Forge is that guy, the ultimate con man. But then you have the ultimate, I think, villain of the movie. And that's Safina played by Daisy Head. And she is a terrifying red wizard. I mean, she really, really is the, like the, the ultimate terrifying sorceress that you would meet in a fantasy quest like this or in a D&D campaign. They, they really did a great job at building her up as something that is almost indestructible. And you sort of see that thing play out at the end. But I will say like the, the creatures that, that, that they came up with were very interesting and entertaining. The fat dragon I loved. That was one of the funniest parts of the movie for me was the chubby dragon. I really enjoyed that part. And ultimately, the way they crafted the ending of this movie, I thought was really, really smart. There was some good emotion to it. It made sense. They paid off on a lot of the things that they introduced in the beginning of the movie. So the depth of the story and the way it was executed, I thought, was way better 
than it should have been. And it was certainly way better than I expected. I, the, the one thing that I came into this movie saying was, you know, I don't, don't think about it too much. Just have fun with it. Go in there, watch it, enjoy it for what it is and move on. And then once I got done with it and got to, you know, take a step back, I go, you know, man, they really paid off on a lot of stuff there. And they made me care about all of these characters, which, you know, in an ensemble group like that is hard to do. You can't think of too many instances where you're like, I I like all of these characters and I want to see all of them. You know, I want to see everything work out for all of them. You always have the one or two characters that you, you want that for, but the entire group, that's what I. That's what happened in Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves for me, and this is one of those things where I see, and you kind of like, they have a soft setup for well, maybe there's going to be more movies than this at the end of uh, at the end of this thing. It's sort of like a one line tease of leaving the door open, sort of thing. But at the same time, you know, this could also be this could also be it. Now I I left myself wanting more. I certainly hope that we get a little bit more of this Dungeons and Dragons team and whatever quest they go on next is kind of their choice or not. You just have to wait and see where this thing goes. But as a standalone movie, I thought they did a really good job of blending a lot of great elements. Didn't make it like a hardcore, here's a D&D campaign. And they didn't make it corny or anything like that. They just set, they. it's almost like they made their own campaign. You had a dungeon master that you were following and John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, the directors of this movie and the writers, and the, and you just sort of went from there. So I, I enjoyed this movie as much as I thought I would, but I did not expect the depth that they gave me. I expected it to be visually striking. It was. I expected it to be fun. It was with a lot of great action. Yes, they gave that too. Man, this is definitely one that's worth your time. If you've been waiting to see it, and you have Paramount Plus, do yourself a favor, watch Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. You will not be sorry that you did. That's going to do it for my spoiler-ish review of Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Up next, I finally get a chance to watch the Justice League and Ruby crossover movie from Warner Brothers Home Entertainment and Rooster Teeth, so I will give you my review of that next. I'm James Witham, and this is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is Julie Nathanson from Far Cry 5, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. The heroes of two different worlds collide. Justice League X, Ruby, Superheroes, and Huntsman Part 1 has been available on Blu-ray, Digital HD, and 4K for a while now. Just haven't gotten a chance to watch it or review, review it yet. Well, guess what? This is catch-up week, so this is the week and i want to just put it out there that warner brothers home entertainment did provide me with a free copy of this thing for review so all opinions here are my own and i'm going to do maybe a little bit of spoilers again because this has been out for a while but i don't want to spoil it for anybody you know i don't want to spoil it too bad for anybody that hasn't watched it yet there's one thing that i really did love about this movie right off the bat and that is the visuals and with rooster teeth being involved that should really be no surprise i i really wasn't worried about this being a visually stunning movie at all. I was more worried about the story and, you know, where it was going to go and what the focus was going to be on. And, and I will say this one thing that it, it's really kind of important that you know the world of Ruby. I, they, they don't really, they kind of jump right into this. And I almost felt a little lost at times, especially in the be- beginning. I felt very, very lost because I didn't really know any of the characters. And now I'm fa- I was familiar with Ruby, but I wasn't like locked into the world. I don't know a lot of the ins and outs. I don't know what's happened recently or anything like that. It's one of those things I've seen it a couple times. I'm, I'm aware of some of these characters, but not all of them. So it was really hard to kind of keep up with that and just and there were things that were sort of t- teased and things that were referenced. And again, if you're not a fan of Ruby or you're not a fan enough of it, you're not really going to, that's not really going to pay off as much for you, or you're not really going to know what's going on in certain instances. And there's a couple of emotional beats in there that you're like, not really going to get it unless you're a fan 
of the Ruby world. So that was one thing that, that kind of started to take me out of it a little bit. But as the story started to unfold, as the movie went on, I, I kind of got locked into it a little more. And it was watching these two teams gel that was really fun for me to be able to do that and watch that. Now, the, I will say this, and you'll see this in the trailer and stuff like that, is that when the Justice League end up where they are, and that's kind of one of the spoilers that I don't want to reveal, but when the Justice League end up where they are and team up with Ruby, the Justice League themselves are now teenagers. They were adults. Now they're teenagers, so they have to kind of deal with that. Or do they? Because one of the things about this was, was that part of the story was, okay, now they're teenagers, so they kind of are acting like teenagers a little bit, so mind and body are, are sort of transported. But then there's instances, too, where it's like, well, mind and body don't seem transported, especially like with Superman a couple times. It's like, well, you know, is he a teenager or does he have the mind of an adult? You got to kind of pick one. And Wonder Woman, same thing. There was a little bit of a back and forth there, but you saw which characters related to the Ruby characters and which characters didn't. And that was pretty prevalent. I thought that that was an interesting character dynamic. And I thought that for the most part, the Justice League characters we're pretty much on brand for the most part. Like, I thought that Wonder Woman, I thought they did a good job blending her into the world. I thought Jessica Cruz, they did a very good job with her. I thought that character was very on brand. Superman, a little bit more hit or miss. Cyborg, I thought, was very on brand. But I got to tell you, honestly, they missed the mark with Batman on this one. I'm sorry. And I don't want to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy. This this character, other than a couple of, of little spots was very much not your characteristic Batman. Even a teenage Batman, the, the confidence was lacking. The ability was lacking. They kind of made him like a bumbling idiot a couple of times. And, you know, Batman tends to screw up, but he's never, it's never this bad. And, they, you know, they make him smart at a certain point, but it's like even a teenage Batman would have had more confidence than this and arrogance and things like that. So I just felt like they really missed the mark on the Batman character speaking as a DC fan and a justice league fan. And I know that this is like an else worlds type story. This is not like a continuity thing, but every version of Batman we've ever seen has not been like this one. So if you like that uniqueness, you're going to get that, but I don't know. It's just a little weird for me. I thought the Ruby characters, you know, as this is my longest exposure to them, I thought they were fun. I did enjoy Ruby. I enjoyed Weiss a lot. I thought pairing her up with Bruce Bruce Wayne was very smart. I thought that they made a good pair. And I thought that there were others that made a good pair as well. Seeing the monsters that are in this, the Grimm, they were kind of neat. You know, albeit, you know, were they really Grimm? That's part of the story. And again, I'm not going to spoil that. And I'm not going to spoil who the villain is either and how that all plays out. So all in all, if you didn't read the Justice League Ruby comics, if you're not a fan of the Ruby world, this is kind of a difficult one to sort of pin down. The character dynamics were good. I like how they had everybody dealing with their own demons sort of thing and either together or through observation, you kind of helped it kind of helped each other deal with those things. But it just seems like some of these characters, especially from the Justice League, shouldn't have had these insecurities in the first place, even being transported to being teenagers. Being unsure of yourself is one thing, but there were just some uncharacteristic moments from some of these characters. But then there were also some some moments with these characters, especially, like I said, with Wonder Woman, where you go, yeah, that's Diana right there. You could see how they'd get there with her. So it's like they understood certain characters more than others, and it almost would have been better off if Batman wasn't in this at all. Now, does he play an integral part to the plot? Yeah, he does. They've Without him, they don't necessarily come to the conclusion they come to, and that's very Batman, right? But at the same time... If he wasn't in this story, they could have used another character in that role and they could have got to the same place and then they wouldn't have had this problem. Maybe you don't think it's a problem. Maybe you've seen it. You think it's fine. But for me, as a hardcore Batman fan, it was a little bit tough to see this version of the character. Now, there's going to be a part two. Am I interested to see what's going to happen? Well, now I'm kind of invested in seeing what happens because of how it ends. And again, I can't spoil that for you, but I am invested because of how it ends and I think that it, it it still has some interesting places that it can go. I'm just curious to see where it's going to go at this point. That's going to do it from our review of Justice League, Ruby, Heroes, and Huntsman. Up next, going to talk about White Man Can't Jump from Hulu on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Allison Aria from DC's Peacemaker, and you're listening to Down and Nerdy. Hulu is bringing back the hustle. White Man Can't Jump, the reboot of the 1992 movie, is now streaming 
on Hulu. I'm going to give you my spoiler-free review of this, of course, you know, it just dropped. Not going to go ahead and spoil it for you. But yes, this, if you recognize the name, it is the same title as the movie that starred Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson. And it's it, the actual, like, description of the movie says that it is the reboot of the classic and appears two basketball hustlers who team up to earn extra cash. Now, it's a little bit more, it's actually a lot more than that. But the first thing I want to say about this movie is the biggest disservice they gave to this movie was giving it this title. And I'll tell you why. Because they are two very, very different movies. And that's a good thing, by the way. You don't want to see the same movie twice with different people. It's different like when they take a movie and you adapt it to like Broadway, right? So you're getting a lot of this, a lot of similar stuff but it's with Broadway actors and it's, you know, it's a little bit more theatric and maybe there's more music and stuff like that. They change it in then that way. But with something like this, I don't want to see the same movie that I saw before. And I don't think you can capture magic like Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson had again. So these two movies are very different. And I think that giving it this title gives people the impression that they're going to come into this and see the same movie with the same vibe, with the same camaraderie. And it's none of those things. That doesn't mean that this is a bad movie. It's just your the title is going to give people a preconceived notion of what this movie is going to be. And it's just not that. There are similar themes. Yes, obviously they're both hustlers. Obviously you have Jack Harlow's character of Jeremy who's supposed to play the goofy guy who looks like he can't play, but he can actually play. And then you have Kamal Allen, who's who's played by Saquon Walls, who's the one that's well-known on the courts. He has a history in that area. You know he can play. You know the name when he walks on to the court. So that is the same. There's some anger management issues here. That's the same as well. But And, and they actually both. Both characters have their issues, but for different reasons and different ways. And there's plenty of basketball in this. If there's one highlight of this thing... It is the basketball, although there was one thing that bugged me, but I can't talk about that, though, because there's spoilers. But let's just say that as someone who's played plenty of basketball in my day, certainly not at this level, you know, the courts and Watts, Sherman Oaks, stuff like that. No, I wouldn't be able to even walk on to those courts and compete. But I played in many court in my day. And there's certain things in this movie that happen in these pickup games a little bit too often, and I kind of had issue with it. It's like, really, that wouldn't happen all the time, but that that's that's just me, and and you'll know what it. It's a very not, noteworthy play in basketball. I'll say that, and it happened more often than I thought it should have, and, and it bugged me a little bit. But one of the things that this movie did better than the original was focusing on a little bit more of the depth of the characters, especially with Kamal. If you're looking at Kamal's character and his relationship with his dad Benji, who's played by the late Lance Riddick, who was just in limited time, shines in this movie. And you'll, if you're a basketball fan, you know the name LeVar Ball. And you think that Benji is going to be very much the LeVar Ball character. And I won't spoil where that's going, but that's, that's the kind of vibe that you get. And the relationship between Kamal and his father and how it's affected him throughout his life is a big part of this movie. And I think that that is one of the places where this thing shines. And and I will say that Jack Harlow does do a good job, and Jeremy's is very offbeat character. He's goofy. He's do, he does some weird stuff. He But he again, he has demons that he needs to face that are very different from Woody Harrelson's character in the original movie. Both have strong women in their lives, but i got to tell you, Tatiana, who is Kamal's wife, played by Laura Harrier, man alive. That is a woman you want watching your back because she... Just not only does she support Kamal, tell him what he needs to hear, tell him what he doesn't need to hear, but at the same time, just just her presence in the room is felt, and they and she is very much not a side character in this. She is a huge part of this story, and you'll see why as you continue to watch the movie. So I got to tell you, I, I really really loved her character, but I the one thing that the, again that this movie did. Well, that I wish the other, I think, I thought the other movie could maybe could have done a little bit more was Kamal's friends, Renzo and Speedy. They're, they're just funny. 
that was the comic relief in the movie right there for the most part for me. It wasn't necessarily Jeremy's goofy antics. It was Renzo and Speedy, who, again, you don't see a ton in the movie, but the good, but that's good news because when they were there, you knew that the funny was coming and that the impact was coming, and that is Vince Staples and Miles Bullock playing those characters to a T, and that was, it was just super, super well done. There's plenty of heart in this movie, it's a little bit all over the place. I will, I will say that there's some characters that you think are going to be important and then don't really end up being important at the end of the day. It's like, well, you're, you're propping me up for this character to be important. And then he's just not. And then there's a callback towards the end of the movie where you, you kind of thought there'd be a callback there, but it's very anticlimactic what they do at the end of this thing. But there's a, there, it, it, it has a nice ending. I, I like what they did at the end of the movie. You don't necessarily see it coming. And it, it, there are some fun vibes to this. And again, if you love basketball, I think that this is a movie that you'll enjoy. But please do not go into this movie thinking it's going to be the 1992 movie because it is just not. And don't compare these characters to Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes' characters in the original movie. That's that's just not fair at all to this movie and to these characters. So these movies do have some similarities, but this one gives things a little bit more depth. It, but now I will say, if I, if you're asking me which one of the two I like better, I like the original better. I, li- I like the 1992 version better because I thought this, I thought this one could have been a little more fun. I understand, you know, you want to show that these people have lives and they have problems and all these things. We focus on that a lot. This movie doesn't have nearly as much fun as I think it should have. But still, if you love basketball, it's it's fun. It's worth a watch. I just thought it could have been a little bit more fun and it could have done its story execution just a little bit better. That's my review of White Man Can't Jump, which is now streaming on Hulu from 20th Century Studios. Up next, there is a little bit of nerd news to talk about. As a matter of fact, a bunch of trailers, too. I'm James Witham, and this is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Joe Henderson, showrunner for Lucifer, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. You gotta strike while the iron is hot. It's time for nerd news. And every time I say I'm not gonna talk about this until we have more information... I get forced to talk about it because there's more information, and that is the strike that's going on right now from by the WGA against the American Picture Association of America. I know I botched the acronym. Just go with me on this, okay? Well, now SAG-AFTRA, the actors themselves, might be joining the strike as well. Obviously, they're supporting the WGA, but they have a vote coming up to possibly authorize their own strike coming up in June. The authorization vote's going to be held up to the beginning part of June, and this is just the, the negotiation of the contract ends in at the end of June, on June 30th. That's when the contract expires between the two parties. So that doesn't mean a strike's actually going to happen. It's just, and Fran Drescher's the president of SAG after actually said, which I didn't know she was the president, by the way. That kind of surprised me. Anyway, you know that this was a, a last resort. This was just a, it, and even the, they're very transparent in the fact that they're saying that this is a negotiation tactic. This is something, you know, you're going in with a position of strength saying, look, if you're not going to negotiate in good faith, we'll just walk and we'll be done and we'll and we'll strike and then we'll and then we'll negotiate the hard way sort of thing. So it's a it's an early flex, I guess you could say by SAG-AFTRA. And if the Writers Guild is still striking by then and it doesn't and there's just seems to be no indication that this thing's going to end anytime soon, then you could have both parties striking at the same time, which you do do your digging to find out when that happened last. I mean, they've they've had strikes on separate occasions, but together, I don't think I've, there's been one together either ever or for a long time. I, I know you'll correct me on that on social media at some point for sure. So here's the deal. AI seems to be the major sticking point here, and you can certainly understand why that is. Nobody wants their job to be replaced by AI. And quite frankly, most people, I don't think, most fans don't want that either. If there's an actor a, a, actor that wants to continue performing a role after they've passed on and they want to sign away their likeness to AI, that's their prerogative. I will never judge any individual person for wanting to do what they think is best for their family and their future. If you want to sign those rights away, 
no judgment, go right ahead. If a studio decides to use that person and use those rights in a role, I don't know that there's a whole lot you can do about that as far as the actors or the writers are concerned. I don't know that there's a ton that you can do to prevent that. Maybe there is, but now should the writers be afraid for their jobs because of artificial intelligence? I think so. I think a lot of us should, quite frankly. I'm worried about mine. You know, not just this one, but about my other jobs as well. It's certainly something that you have to consider and you have to worry about, quite frankly. And if you're not, maybe you're not paying enough attention. And I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too much, but this is certainly something worth being scared about, certainly something worth going to bat over for sure, I think. And that's my for the first time I've given my opinion on this, and that's certainly where I stand on that. Now, this would grind the industry to a halt if it were to happen. It's already kind of there anyway because you can't do basically anything without writers, right? Stuff that's already written. You could shoot that, right? But that's that's still a very... That is a very risky little game without your writers to, to, to shoot anything without your writers because, you know, what if you have to do reshoots, rewrites, things like that? Yeah, they, they're certainly, it's certainly very, very risky. And, you know, he, people use Heroes as an example on social media, Heroes Season 2. And, yeah, you know, that just think of what could happen if that strike never happened. But anyway, will the studios risk it is my next question. Are the studios really willing to risk the future, especially, and I hate to bring this up. You have no idea how much, how much I hate to bring this up, but I think it's a valid point. After everything that happened in the pandemic and how much that put the studios behind the eight ball, are they really willing to risk grinding things to a halt again when you are just getting your footing back with the movie going public and viewing public? When you're just starting to hit your stride again, are you really willing to risk everything to grind things to a halt once again for artificial intelligence? And if there's more to it than that, I get it. It's not just that. There's a dollars and cents thing here from both sides that needs to be worked out too. So it's not just AI. But are you really willing to risk losing the long-term money that comes with a long work stoppage? Not to mention, and there are bigger things than this, but it still warrants being brought up, okay? Because this is a huge event that's coming up. Comic-Con will be coming up in two months. Think about that for a second. San Diego Comic-Con, it's far more than just for nerds anymore, right? You and I both know that. This is a pinnacle event in the entertainment industry as a whole, across all of entertainment now at this point. You go into that event with no writers, no actors, then what? I know, maybe you think the event's gotten to Hollywood. Maybe you think, ah, oh, this will be a good thing. Focus on the comics again. Yeah, no, I love comics, I do. But this would cripple that event for 2023. It would. There would definitely be cancellations for sure. You would not have trouble getting a hotel. You would not have any trouble getting into Hall H because what would you put in Hall H, honestly? What could you possibly do? Even offsites. Think about that for a second. You're like, oh, well, I'll just do the offsites. With what writers and what actors? Right, because you still need actors for a lot of these offsites that you enjoy. You still need people to script these things out. Who's gonna do that? You could be like, oh well, artificial intelligence will just do it. Okay, we'll see how that works out. You know, you really, you really want to test the waters on that. You really want to say to yourself, oh, you know, these these silly actors, these silly writers. You know, they're just worried that they're gonna be replaced by a machine that could do their job just as well. Are you willing to, are you as a fan willing to risk that? Think about that for just a second. So it's, this is not something that you should just brush off and not worry about anymore. This is something you really need to pay attention to because it, it, it right now it's actors and writers. Tomorrow could be your job. So just think about that for a second when you decide who you want to support in this thing. And, and again, I'm not, and you know, I'm not one of those you know, grab a sign and head to the picket lines type of person. But at the same time, 
you really have to understand what's at stake here. Even I don't fully understand what's at stake here. And I'm willing to admit that. But I want you to really think about this. Really, really think about it and how big of an impact and how big of a moment it is for the future of things that you love in entertainment. And think about what a work stoppage would do for one. And think about what it would be like if all you had was artificially intelligent created things. I want you to just really think about that before you make your decision. Now let's move on to stuff that's already done and coming out. Let's talk about something fun. Let's talk about some trailers. I want to start with Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, which will be coming out on July the 12th on Paramount. From Paramount, excuse me. In theaters from Paramount. So here's the deal. They should. You, you want to say that the title's too long? They could have called it Mission Impossible. What crazy shit is Tom Cruise going to do next? They could have called it that because it really, you really could have. The motorcycle off the cliff where he's just kind of diving and falling. Yeah, yeah I know. He's got a parachute. Okay. Tom Cruise just does this. It's embedded into his soul at this point to do things like this in his roles. I don't know how he does it or why because it would scare the hell out of me, but he does. And you see Ethan Hunt, and he's willing to go all out. For his team, and even his team says, look, the mission's bigger than this. He's like, nah, I don't accept that. My team is my team, okay? Even Kittredge, who we see come back, says, this is, this, you know, the world's coming after you. This one's going to cost you. And then you see Esai Morales' character of Gabriel. And he's, he's supposedly, it looks like he's the one that's at least adjacent to this threat, that they're going after. And don't you know, what does it look like the threat is when you pay close attention to this trailer? Does it seem like it's AI? Because I think it is. I think it's some sort of artificial intelligence. It really does seem like it's that way because think about how Ethan Hunt would combat himself against something like that. That is certainly a worthy opponent for sure. So, how that's going to go down, if that's what it's going to be. I think that's what it's going to be. We'll have to wait and see. But just the action alone. I mean, come on. You're not going to this movie to see the depth of the story. Now, you love these characters if you've been with these movies for a while. That's understandable, okay? But you want to see what kind of crazy action sequences you have. You have submarines blowing up. You have trains falling into what looks like a river or some sort of body of water or something. Come on. this These movies are for the big names in the big name stunts, period. So that's the main reason you're going to see this. And that's okay, by the way. That is perfectly reasonable. The reason that you're going to see this is that. Because that's one of the reasons I'm going to see it. That's one of the reasons I've been watching these movies. It's why the Fast and the Furious movies work so well. They are that, they, it's, it's that with cars, basically. And, and, you know, not a covert team, necessarily, either. These are very similar types of movies, so I think you're going to see both of them, quite frankly. Something that's a little bit different, though, is a movie called The Creator, which I didn't know existed until the trailer came out this week, which we won't see until September 29th from 20th Century Studios. Now, this one definitely has a futuristic sci-fi vibe to it, and it's actually being done by Gareth Edwards. You know, he did Rogue One. Now, you look at this trailer, and this movie is basically about a future war between the human race and, guess what? The forces of artificial intelligence. Imagine that. You've got John David Washington, who is in Tenet. He's going to be in this as well. You've got Gemma Chan and some other just amazing members of this cast. And, and Washington plays a special forces, ex-special forces guy. His wife disappeared. He, you know, he was hunted to recruit and kill down the creator, who is this advanced AI. Now... Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the trailer, this advanced AI is a child. He struggles with this, obviously. So, do you destroy the child or do you not? It's almost baby Hitler, right? Because in the trailer, they say that the, this AI they created to save the world drops, the, drops a nuclear bomb on LA. So, obviously, you want to try and destroy this AI. You find out this AI is a child. And do you, do you kill the child to save the world sort of thing? It is definitely a baby Hitler situation, if you ask me. So if you can prevent it, would you do it sort of thing? And maybe that seems like an easy answer, and maybe it's not a fair comparison, but when an artificial intelligence drops a nuclear bomb 
on the, the one of the biggest cities in the world, you sort of start to, you know, see some sort of comparisons there. Fictional, yes, but still a reason to to make that comparison because that's the kind of evil that we're talking about here, even though it is fictionalized. So here's the deal. This movie looks intense. It looks just such like peak sci-fi that I could not take my eyes off of this trailer. And there's way more to these characters than meets the eye. And this is just a teaser trailer. But let me tell you, action-packed gave me, you know, the immediately when I saw this, I thought of District 9 for some reason. It kind of gave me those futuristic vibes. And you see these, these almost looks like artificially intelligent designed robots that are, that are defending this AI and coming for this AI at the same time. So yeah, that, that was one of the reasons that I thought about that, even though I know district nine was aliens. I get that, but that's for some reason, that's the movie that I thought of, but this just looks like a really cool change of pace type movie, even though, yeah, there's going to be plenty of action and things like that. But at the same time, it feels like a really nice change of pace from what we've been getting in movies up to this point. So I'm looking forward to finding out exactly what the creator is going to be all about. I'll talk about the full trailer when that comes out as well. I think we got a little bit of time before that's going to happen. But this is one that I'm keeping my eye on as one of the most anticipated movies of the year as I'm learning more about this thing because it just looks incredible. I also wanted to re-up and talk about Disney's Haunted Mansion, which we'll see on July the 28th from Walt Disney Pictures. All of these are in theaters, by the way. And yeah, remember, this is based on, you know, the Haunted Mansion ride. And you've got a mother who's played by Rosario Dawson's living in the mansion. There's spirits in there. Lake of Sandfield's character and his team come in to try and get rid of these ghosts. Now, the Hatbox Ghost, we finally get a chance to get a good look at the Hatbox Ghost for the first time. Voiced by Jarrett Leto in this thing. And freaking amazing look. Terrifying. And yeah, this is definitely going to earn... It's PG-13 rating. And yeah, I'm as surprised as you are that it's going to have a little bit higher of a rating. But the, it, the creepy factor is way up. Now, you're going to get comic relief as well. You got Tiffany Haddish on this, in this cast, Owen Wilson, Danny DeVito, and others. You're going to get fun and funny moments. Those are going to happen. But the horror feels cranked up in this thing a little bit. This is definitely not something that they set out to make for kids. And I actually dig that they decided to do that, that they decided to be a little bit different, right? And go out and try and make something that's a little bit scarier, that has a little bit of an edge to it. Is Does it look scary per se, like horror scary? No, not necessarily. But at the same time, there's some creepy stuff and we get to see these ghosts on full display in this full trailer. And I got to tell you, some really fun designs, some really cool stuff, just sort of mixed around the bumbling of this team that is trying to solve the problems that is this mansion. So yeah, this is one I'm, I'm really wanting to see this. I wanted to see it already, but now that I've seen more from this trailer, I need more at this point. I have to have this movie in my life now. So we'll find out exactly how that's going to go down on July the 28th from Disney. Finally, yes, I do want to sneak in a little bit of Manifest talk. We've got Season 4 Part 2. The ending, the final episodes of Manifest are going to be on Netflix on June the 2nd, so quicker than we thought. That's It's creeping up on us really fast. So what I take away from this is it definitely has that epic endgame kind of feel for this story. It really does feel like we're going to get a proper conclusion to the story of manifest and now we finally kind of we kind of get that confirmation in this trailer there is a connection between angeline and cal it seems like that's been confirmed at this point if we didn't already know maybe that seemed obvious but it was actually spoken aloud at this point and it seems like there's this race just to resolve the calling enough callings to survive the death date doesn't look like they're going to be able to do that so it's a now what type thing, right? Well, that's where Ben comes in. And Ben, you see him trying to kind of sort of rally the passengers, right? Rally everybody saying, you know, like, hey, we've come a long way. This is it. Let's go sort of thing. And don't think I didn't notice there was a mysterious glow on the ground where Ben was standing similar to what Cal has on his arm. So you have the whole, what the hell is that thing? What's the connection 
there. And there's just so many other things going on in this trailer with Michaela and with Jared and so many others that you just, you almost left your head spinning as to what you're going to see. And I think the anticipation has been building for this for so long. I really hope it lives up to those expectations. We'll find out on June the 2nd together when Manifest airs those final episodes. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Again, thanks to Ricky He for joining me to talk about From. I'll have more From interviews next week. Be ready for that, Frumily, because I got you covered. I got more stuff coming up for you. Make sure you're watching that on MGM+. Follow along online at downandnerdypodcast.com. You'll find even more interviews there. Also, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. That helps out a ton. If you're a new listener, if you're just hearing the show for the first time, hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening. I'd love to have you back every week for some fun topics. You can also reach out on social media at down and nerdy seven five seven on Twitter and on Instagram at down and nerdy on Facebook. We have a lot of fun on TikTok at down and nerdy pod on TikTok, doing some different stuff there. Follow along on YouTube as well. Cause I'll be posting videos of these interviews, a lot of these interviews up on YouTube, just in case you want to watch them or see more just to do that. Remember you never have to apologize for being a nerd. Let your fan flag fly and be good to your fellow nerds. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.